In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yesterday we had a baptism. It is always a joyful and a very bold proposition. If you listen to the very beginning of the baptism service, which takes place in the narthex, they're the exorcism prayers. And these prayers speak greatly of God's power over the devil and over all his dark forces. And it weaves in well today with today's gospel because in those prayers, I believe it's the second exorcism prayers, it says, you lacked power even over swine. Very bold words to our enemy. And then tells about how God placed the demons into the swine. When we hear this gospel each year, we're always struck by the outcome. There's this wild man who now is sitting clothed and in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. But today I'd like to focus a little bit more on how he got there. Because the situation is so extreme that it's very hard for us to relate to. We don't even know of people who are like this, living in cemeteries, unclothed, breaking chains. It sounds very foreign from our experience, but we read this gospel each and every year, and it is for our salvation that we consider this. How did he get there? The simple answer is allowing and inviting. That demoniac allowed things into his life and even invited things into his life that brought upon him demon after demon after demon after demon until his name is Legion because he has scores of demons possessing him. And while that may sound very far from us, sometimes people ask me, like, how, how do you know if someone's demon-possessed? Now, I'll say that there is a very specific thing in the sense that someone who needs prayers, very urgent prayers of exorcism, but one could also say we're all demon-possessed to varying degrees. So it's really just a matter of degrees. At some point, it's so many degrees that a very severe remedy, a very important remedy comes out. But each of us take part with them. Each of us allow them in and invite them into our lives. And so we struggle, we become enslaved, like the gathering demoniac. I wanted to talk today about confession because confession is the way in which all of us can be freed from our sins the way in which we can reverse what we are doing in our lives to take part in this, to do the allowing and inviting. But before that, I wanted to tell a little bit of a story. That this is an, an actual experience that happened. Elder Ephraim, before he reposed, he was hearing someone's confession. And this person withheld something in their confession something that they just felt too ashamed to say. So Elder Ephraim said, is that everything? And this person said, yes, yes, that's everything, Father. He said, are you sure? Is that everything? Yes, yes, that's everything. Okay. 
and he offers the prayer of absolution. And the person leaves and is so troubled by having been asked multiple times, knowing that there's this thing that was on their heart that they were too ashamed to convey. And so the person goes back to Elder Ephraim and, well, has to get in. It's not easy. Many people are confessing. says, I must, I have to confess one more thing, one more thing. And so they're able to get him in for confession. And the person confesses this one last thing. And the elder breaks down in tears he, and is so joyful because he says, while you were confessing before, I saw a demon on your shoulder. And he was laughing and sticking out his tongue and speaking words against Christ. You see, we don't see the things that are going on in our lives. And confession is such a powerful way in which we can remove the hold that is upon us. So I'd like to share wiser words than the words that I have. I'll be quoting a number of our blessed saints talking about confession and about our conscience. The most important thing that we can do to prevent confession, although we should always go to confession, is to guard our conscience. We must listen to the voice that's inside of us to keep us from sinning. And then when we go to confession, that strengthens the voice inside of us. But as we do the opposite, we ignore our conscience, say, oh, this is a small thing, then our conscience becomes numb. St. Dorotheos of Gaza says, let us therefore be careful, brothers, to guard our conscience as long as we're still in this world, trampling upon it in absolutely nothing, even the slightest thing. Take heed from sneering at those things that are small, they, as they say, we end up sneering at greater things. One starts out saying, what significance does it have if I say this word? Or why is it important if I eat a little something? What meaning does it have if I pay attention to some small object? Why is this or that significant? Thereupon one acquires an evil and perverted disposition. He then begins to ignore the greater and weightier things and tramples upon his conscience. When we don't repent, the layers of sin keep getting layering, layered upon. And sometimes people, in our weakness, we say, well, I'm just going to sin again. What does it matter? Or this thing I'm so stuck with, I'm just going to keep sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning. St. Paisios describes that like, analogizes it with our clothing. He says, we have no excuse, however, when we don't want to repent and confess, but rather we prefer to remain stuck in the mud. Some people do not confess because they have the impression that they'll fall into the same sins. This simply means that they add more and more layers on top of the old layers of mud. Yet when they stain their clothes, they wash them and take care not to soil them again. And when they're stained again, they clean them once more. Imagine if we treated our sinfulness in the way we treat our clothes, or the opposite. Imagine if we treated our clothes in the way we treat our sins. Ah, my shirt's already dirty. I'll just keep wearing it. It doesn't matter. What happens? It doesn't stay the same dirtiness. It keeps getting dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. And of course, with our clothing, we wash it again and again. And this, likewise, is an image for us of confession. 
Because confession truly is a great, great gift from God. St. Porphyrius says that it's the sacrament of the offering of God's love to mankind. Do we think of it that way? The offering of God's love to mankind. He says, in this perfect way, a person is freed from evil. There's nothing higher than what is called repentance and confession. Because truly God gave us confession out of his love for us. To give us a new path. We can only be baptized once. And we all know that baptism, among the many blessings, is the washing away of our sins. Wouldn't we want that again and again? Because we have these layers and layers of sin that build up upon us. Confession is a way in which we can return to that baptismal purity, in which we can put on the garment once more that we wore in our baptism. St. Dorotheos says again about the small things, he says, take care that we're not lax in the small things. Take care not to ignore them as though they were trivial. They're not small. The soul is fed by them, and they spawn bad habits. Let us be vigilant to look after the little things where they are still light, that they do not become weighty. Both our progress in virtue and sin moves from what is small to what is great, whether good or evil. So there's hope in there as well that we do the small good things as well. And those small good things become bigger good things and bigger good things in our life. When we were baptized, we were cleansed and made pure. And our baptismal garment was radiant. It says in the, the baptism hymn afterwards, the prayers about the radiance of this newly illumined person. We call them, in fact, newly illumined because the radiance of their sins being washed away. We must think of this in terms of our approach towards confession, how cleansed, how pured we can become. St. Seraphim describes that as putting on our baptismal garment again. He says, we are clothed, the former sinner is clothed in the garments of incorruption, spun of the grace of the Holy Spirit. He returns to his original baptismal glory. We mustn't despair of God's mercy. There are so many reasons that we turn away from confession, we postpone it, we wait for confession. We don't want to confess things because we, we are afraid that God won't give us mercy. Or we think that our sins are too big. We think that we are unhealable when we think of all the things that we have sinned again and again and again. St. Isaac the Syrian has this beautiful image of, our mercy, of God's mercy compared with our sin. He says, as a handful of sand thrown into the ocean, so are the sins of all flesh as compared with the mind of God. Just as a strongly flowing fountain is not blocked up by a handful of earth, so the compassion of the creator is not overcome by the wickedness of his creatures. These are our sins, a little handful of earth trying to stop a fountain, that fountain of God's mercy. And St. John Chrysostom says almost a similar thing. He says, your wickedness has a limit, but the medicine has no limit. 
Think of a spark that falls into the ocean. Is there any chance that it could remain there or be noticed? As the spark is to the ocean, so too is your wickedness in comparison with God's loving kindness. So we must have boldness, boldness before our Lord. Because there's a little trick that the evil one does. He gives us boldness in our sin and then shame in our repentance. So we don't repent because we feel so ashamed. But the opposite is what should be. Again, St. John Chrysostom says, <clears throat> God accept, accepts anyone who has become wicked to the greatest extreme and he chooses to return towards the path of holiness. He does everything to restore that person. Be ashamed when you sin. Don't be ashamed when you repent. There are two things, sin and repentance. Sin is the wound. Repentance is the medicine. Sin is followed by shame. Repentance is followed by boldness. Satan has overturned this order and given boldness to sin and shame to repentance. My brothers and sisters, we must return to confession. Each in our own way. If you confess regularly, confess more deeply. If there's anything that you have withheld because you feel ashamed, because you feel like it's too small, because of all the reasonings in your mind, bring those. And for those who have fallen away from the practice of confession, or who have postponed, who have forgotten about it, it's never too late, or it's almost never too late. As of yet, it's not too late. This is the greatest medicine, medicine that God has given us, because confession in addition to being that washing away of our sins, there's also a way in which we become united with another person in Christ to walk the spiritual journey together. This is the path that all of our saints have taken. Can you think of a saint that doesn't have a spiritual father? This is the path that we have towards sanctification. Think of the prodigal son and our Lord's eagerness to hear his confession, his eagerness to have him return back to him. And don't despair of God's mercy. St. Gregory Palamas says, even if someone falls into mortal sin, as long as he turns away from it wholeheartedly, abstains from it, and returns to the Lord in deed and truth, he may have courage and great hope that he shall not fail to obtain eternal life and salvation. Another that I read talked about, look, if you're a liar, if you're a blasphemer, if you're a tax collector, if you're an adulterer, all of these have obtained salvation. If you're a murderer, all of these have obtained salvation. We have the example in our saints. So there are, Three common obstacles to our repentance. And this is from a, a lovely little book on repentance and confession by Hermann Gregorius. Forgive me, there are four. <laughs> the first of these, listen closely for which of these come into your life, into your mind. Insensibility. This is a numbness to our sin. This is where we 
feel like, oh, it's a small thing, like what St. Dorotheos was describing before. It's a small thing. It doesn't matter. Or sins that we fall into again and again and again, we don't really repent of them. We fall. The devil gives us shame at that moment of the fall, and then we just want to hide it away. So our heart becomes hardened by insensibility, and that hardness of heart makes us unable to listen to our conscience. Another common way in which we fail to repent is because of despair. These are kind of two sides of the same coin, insensibility and despair. On the one side, we're so numb to our sins that we just don't even think about them. And on the other side, even the thought of our sin is so terrifying that it leads us to despair. But both of these sides, do you see how it keeps us away from confession? For the one who has insensibility, they need to have more awareness of their sins. And for the other who tends toward despair, it needs to be directed in the right way. It needs to be brought into prayer and into confession and not something that we just dwell on in our minds. Shame is another way in which the evil one brings us away from repentance. We don't even want to say it in front of another person. I'm sure many of you have experienced that. Maybe you experience that even right now. Things that you don't even want to say to another human being. Or things that perhaps this, we gloss over in our confession. We say something broad like, I struggle with lust. And then that kind of covers everything. And then I don't have to actually say struggle. We have to be specific. Because the more that we are specific, the more that what? We are exposing ourselves to God himself. We're saying to God, this is my wound. It's not this broad wound of what kind of everyone struggles with. My specific one is right here. And in so doing, we're inviting God in to heal us. And the last that Hiram Monk Gregorio mentions again, insensibility, despair, shame, and postponement. Postponement. We want to confess, and then we don't. We think to confess, and then we forget about it. We go to make the plans, and then we cancel the plans. We must be vigilant that this is a work of the evil one. It's not just, oh, that happened to escape my mind. But I'm being kept from this. I'm being held from this. As I said earlier, virtually all of the saints submitted themselves to a spiritual father. And through this path, they entered into sanctification. And this, is, this can be a hard concept for an American mind, especially an American mind that came out of maybe a Protestant background. The idea that you have a partner with you on that spiritual journey. That it's not just your own eyes looking at your own situation and deciding what you think is best. It's a beautiful and blessed thing. Because then you have someone else there to say, well, what about this? Have you thought about that? And the sin that you think is small, that's actually quite big. And the sin that you think is big, don't worry so much for that. It's a beautiful and blessed way in which we can enter into true spiritual progress. 
I'll close with a, a quote from St. John of Kronstadt. He says, Never despair of God's mercy. No matter what sins you may have been bound through the tempting of the devil, but pray with your whole heart and with hope of forgiveness. Knock at the door of God's mercy, and it shall be opened to you. Do not despair.